mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 7. We're going to be beginning in verse 24 today. Uh, but what, by way of review, really wanted to remind you, uh, verse 23, Jesus says, All these evil things come from within and defile a man. Well, what things? And he had told us uh, in verse 20, he said, what comes out of a man, that defiles a man. For from within our, out of our hearts of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, which he really hates, pride, and foolishness. <clears throat> Listen, that right there is how God sees our hearts. Not just your heart, not just my heart, but everybody's hearts. Because there's none righteous, no, not one. And He came to save all. Think about that for a moment. The grace of God has appeared. Jesus has come to bring salvation to people who have hearts like this. Let me read the list again. Out of, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. Listen to me. And God still loves us. God still yet came and died on a cross for us so that He would save people who have hearts like that. But he wants to give us a new heart, a new life, a new hope, a new house, a mansion in heaven. He wants us not to just say a prayer and say, I'm born again, but to continue to pray and to continue to trust and to continue to follow so that he can give us a new heart that's being prepared for the new home with him. A heart that looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law, the Bible tells us. So we were this way, and He has made us this way positionally, and now practically, as we get into the Word of God, as we pray and we have fellowship with one another, and we confess our sins, we allow the Holy Spirit to wash us of the former heart and cleanse us of the former desires and then to put Christ-likeness in us. Isn't that amazing? That God would do that? You say, I'm not like that. Yes, you are. All of us are like this list. And if we're not still committing these things, then it's only by the grace of God. 
But that's the heart of man. It's ugly. None righteous, no, not one. We've all turned our own way. Like sheep, we've gone astray, and the Lord has laid our iniquity upon Himself. And He gives us this salvation. And the closer and the better we come to seeing who we are, the more we'll understand the grace of God that has appeared and been given to us. And the more compassion we can have on others. And the more we'll grow in that patience. The more we'll grow in that love. The more we'll grow in that faithfulness. The more we'll grow in His goodness. The more we'll have His joy. And His peace. And be able to show kindness to all men for the grace of God that has appeared. Amen? So, as we... Look at that. It's really important to understand that the context of last week's lesson was that man had made up rules. Man had made up his own God. Man, the Jewish nation, had come. Pharisees and the scribes, you see it, 7-1. They came to Jesus where he was at in the Gentile region. They came down there to find fault. Right? They came down there, and Jesus tells them, you have laid aside the Word of God and made your rules more important than the Word of God. And see, we do that again. We, and they had another rule. Let me read it to you. I'm just going to read it to you. I'll get ahead of myself. Look at Acts 10. They had another rule that they followed that was man's rule. And it's, it's, it's Acts 10. You should have read it this week if you've been reading through on the schedule. It's verse 28. It's really where Peter is in Cornelius' house, a Gentile centurion, and he's sharing the gospel with them. And he says in 28, then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or to go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Listen to me. Why do I read that? Because Jesus is talking to them about what they have done and what they have made up and what they have created as a religious system which nullifies the Word of God. And the church today, is they'll, they'll come and hang out together. They'll evangelize the pews. They'll sit around and, and smile and be the church, but we won't go to unbelievers. And that's the number one calling that God has given us, is to go to unbelievers. But we make up all these other ministries that we do. We make up all kinds of ministries in the church that this is what we're doing, and I'm spending all my energy doing that, and I'm doing this, and I'm building that. Wait a minute, we're supposed to go to the unbelievers. And by making up all of our type of religion, we don't go to the unbeliever and share the gospel. But we really feel like we're making dust and we really feel like we're doing church stuff, but we're not going to the unbeliever. And the Jewish nation had done the same thing. They made up all these rules and they weren't doing what they should have been doing. They made the word of God to no avail. And so what does Jesus do? He's going to give us, like he always does, a great example. He's going to get up and he's going to go to the Gentiles. They had a rule you couldn't go to them. He's going to go to them, and that's what our next text is, after he shows us our hearts. What's in our hearts is, is, is how we end up going to religion and how we end up making up new rules. And, and, and who is it? I think it was some philosopher. It's not, he said that, that God created us in his image, 
and we quickly repaid the favor. I think it was Voltaire who said that. We turn around and make a God up, and then we begin to worship that God, and it's got nothing to do with the Scripture. It's got nothing to do with the Spirit of God leading us. It's got nothing to do with godliness. It has a form of godliness, and it denies the power thereof. So let's look what Jesus does, because He's going to give us a, um, a preview of the gospel going to the Gentiles. Verse 24 of Mark 7. From there he arose and went to a, the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell down at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For this saying, Go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone and her daughter lying on the bed. Again departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears. He spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephphathatah. That is, be opened. Immediately his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was loosed, and he spoke plainly. Then he commanded them that they should tell no one, but the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Let's pray. Father, we pray that our hearts would be like yours that our work would be your work, that our leading would be your spirit, that our teaching would be your spirit, that our guide would be your spirit, that our strength and power would come from your spirit and from your truth, and that you would teach us to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark seven twenty four. From there... He arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. Now listen again, if you'll remember, as we trace through what Mark is telling us, he's speaking to Romans, he's speaking to Gentiles. He's, his audience is not going to have a lot about the Jewish nation in it because they don't know Jewish law, so he meets them where they're at. And if you'll remember, he was trying to get the boys away for rest. He had sent them out. And when he sent them out, he told them to go only to the children of Israel. Right? And, and then when they come back, he's trying to get them away to get some rest because they've been working so hard. And then all of a sudden, the masses followed them and he had to feed the 5,000. Right? So he's still trying to get some rest. So then they went to a deserted place. It didn't work. So now he's going to go clear out of the region of Israel. He's going to go clear into this area of Tyre and Sidon. 
And I really like this because we're actually here, the Phoenician, we're actually here in, in our Bible study on Friday nights. You guys remember this? If you're in our Bible study, it started out in uh, 1 Kings 16. This is where Jezebel comes from. She's a Phoenician, a serial Phoenician. Her dad was priest of Baal. Her dad became king of that area. And so Ahab, the king that we're on right now, marries Jezebel and he builds a temple for Baal and begins to worship the devil. And that's when Elijah comes, and Elijah is a type of the church. Elijah's a prophet who's bringing the word of God, and Elijah sees that the king and the whole world is serving Baal, serving the devil. And God gives him a word to go speak, and he goes and walks right into Ahab's temple, right into his place, and says, Hey, the God from whom I stand, the whom I stand before, and I'm paraphrasing, says it's not going to rain. For three and a half years. It's not going to rain until he says it's going to rain. Isn't that amazing? He wasn't afraid. He wasn't afraid of the devil worshipers. He wasn't afraid of COVID. He wasn't afraid of the lies of the wicked one. Because he knew the truth. And the Bible tells us in James that he prayed that it would not rain. And it did not, pray, it did not rain for three and a half years. And then he prays again. We're going to see after the Mount Carmel victory and all the prophets of Baal have been put to death. And really, if you come on Friday night, you'd see that the whole question is, is Baal God or is the Lord God? The whole question is, are we going to trust God or are we going to trust what the world says? And see, most of Christianity trusts what the world says. Even though the Bible clearly tells us in 1 John 5, 19, I know you are of God, but the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. So when the world is underneath the sway of the wicked one, and the world is trying to bring in one world government, and the world is trying to overthrow God and says there is no God, why would we listen to what they tell us? The only time we have to listen to them is when they are making the laws of the land. And then if it does not compromise what God says, we obey them. But as soon as it infringes upon what God says, we are allowed to disobey them. Now, make no mistake. Listen to me. When you make that decision in your heart that you're going to disobey the laws of the land, that doesn't remove the repercussion of disobeying them. If the laws of the land say that you're going to get this, then you might get that. But you have to choose this day who you're going to serve. You're going to serve God or you're going to serve the world. All of the boys were killed. All the disciples were martyred for Christ. Well, except for Judas, and he killed himself because he was listening to the world. They were martyred. They tried to kill John why he was on the island of Patmos and wrote the book of Revelation. They couldn't kill him. They put him in a vat of oil. They threw him from the temple. They had to cast him out onto an island by himself. They couldn't kill him. God wouldn't let him kill him. And you need to understand that is your comfort, that you're indestructible until God is finished with you. Do you get that? God's the God of life. He's a God of life. He loves you. And he's in the house. And he's the example. And he's the one we follow. 
And he sent his Holy Spirit back. Listen to me, this is so important. The Holy Spirit is how God is dealing with us right now. Through the Holy Spirit and His Word, washing and cleansing. We need the Holy Spirit. What was last week's memory verse? Acts 7, 51. You stiff neck and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Listen, that's the indictment. If it was the indictment against the Jewish nation and we're in the same place, what kind of an indictment is it against the church? Is that we're not listening to the Holy Spirit. We're not allowing the Holy Spirit to rightly divide the word of truth. And then we're not following the truth because we're quenching the Holy Spirit. So important to understand. You cannot follow yourself and follow the world and, and fulfill your desires and go with God. Because you've been crucified with Christ and now God is in your life. The Spirit that gets up and brings you up out of the grave and then goes out to others. That's what's supposed to be going on with all of us. So we make up rules. We make up church. We design it to fit our culture. We don't want to be too invasive because people won't come. And we build our little kingdoms down here. And the devil applauds. And God says, you always resist the Holy Spirit. I told you that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Listen, that's the church I want to be part of. The one that the gates of hell will not prevail over. I want God prevailing over me. So he's teaching his disciples and now he's teaching us. And he shows us that the heart of man is exceedingly wicked and that we will turn the word of God into something that it's not. And make his word something that is not. And they even have rules that they're not allowed to deal with. And go into the house of Gentiles. And listen, there's only Jews and Gentiles. Listen to me. There was the Jewish nation, which was the firstborn of God. Through Abraham. And then everybody else. They're all Gentiles. So he gets up. And it's really interesting. From there he arose. Listen to me, because it's all a picture. It's all, it's, it's this word picture that the Holy Spirit does. You know what? Until he got up out of the grave, until the resurrection, he, could, he didn't go to the Gentiles in the sense of them getting saved. The, the, the church was first to all Jews. See, in America, we're so spoiled, we think the church is all about Americans. It's really all about Jesus. It's really all about Jesus. But it's interesting, this is the exact same word that from rise from the dead. It's the exact same word to stand up again. It's the exact same word, not for resurrection, but to rise up. He rose from the grave. It's the same word. And it's used here. He rose up and comes to the Gentiles. See, he had already came to the nation of Israel. John 1.11, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But to as many as received him, to, uh, to as many as received him, he gave the right to... Uh, believe in their name. No, I just said that backward. Let me get it right. Boom, 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 boom. Let's take it backward. I got excited. John 1, 11 and 12. He came to his own and his own did not receive him, but to as many as received him, he gave the right to be, I got it wrong. Turn there, John 1, 11 and 12. I know that scripture. I can't believe I'm getting it wrong. That's one of my lifelong scriptures. 
but to as many as received him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him, but as many as received him, to them he gave the privilege, the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Man, I can't believe I got that wrong. Sorry. Are you trusting in his name? See, and this right here is just kind of like a little foretaste of it. The Old Testament always talked about it. Even Paul writes about it in Romans 1, 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for the Jew first and then to the Greek, then to the Gentile. It's always for the Jew first. So here he goes into the region of Tyre and Sidon, the region where the Baal worship used to be strong. And it doesn't matter. Either you're serving God or you're serving the devil. Listen, you can serve yourself all day long and you're still serving the devil. Listen, you can do what you want in your life and say, ah, I'm not ready for God. I used to do that. You're still serving the devil because he's deceiving you. Because if you're not serving God, you're serving the devil. All he wants you to do is not serve God. All he wants you to do is not follow the Spirit. All he wants you to do is to stay away from the truth. That's his only plan. Salvation is made for flesh and blood. It's not made for fallen angels. It's not made for the devil. So his only plan is to get you to go to hell, which was not made for flesh and blood. It was made for fallen angels and the devil. His only plan is to confuse you and deceive you long enough so that you will die physically and go to hell with him. And God has said, I give you life. And he gives you 66 books to read that give you everything about what he's done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do, and how to have life. And then he puts his spirit in us when we confess him. And when we do confess him, we rise and we go. Listen, that's what the Spirit of God wants to do, is to raise us up from the grave as new creations and to send us to Gentiles, send us to unbelievers, is what we would say today. They would be believers and unbelievers. Then it was clean and unclean. Then it was Jew and Greek. Now it's to believer, priest, and unbelievers. Which are you? I believe there can also be believers that are deceived, believers that are still not doing anything that they're called to do. So they're not, they're not walking in the Spirit. They're not using the gifts that were given. They're not going to a fallen world because they're doing everything they want to do still. That's not death to self. That's, that's, um, that's kind of like fire insurance. Think about this for a minute. Salvation is to deliver us out of a burning house and to give us a new house, a new home, a new family. Think about this. If you're in a house and it's on fire and you can't get out and the firemen come, you hear the sirens, you're like, oh my goodness, I'm going to be saved now. And they come in and they touch you. Are you saved now? You haven't been, you haven't been delivered to safety yet. See, this is what the lie that the devil has told us. See, our house is on fire. Our spiritual house is on fire. We're going to die and go to hell. And as soon as Jesus touches us, that's the beginning of his salvation to remove us out of that house and bring us into his house safely. The mansion in heaven, a new house, the finish line. 
So you're not safe just because you're touched by Jesus, just because you have warm, cuddly feelings, just because you said a prayer, just because you go to church. You have to be delivered out of your house. That means a new heart. That means not like this list that we had in the end, of, or right here at 7, but the list that's in Galatians. 5, 22, and 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Listen, God's arm is not shortened. He can do this to you. He can create in you. He can bring you across the finish line. In fact, He's promised, I will complete the work I started in you until the day of Christ Jesus. Until He sees Christ's likeness in you. He's going to complete it. So here's Jesus. He goes into this area. It really, Mark, Mark says it differently. He kind of teaches it differently. You actually got to bring Matthew's account in. Matthew also has an account on this. Matthew makes it a little bit more, um, because Matthew's writing to pure Jewish audience, really. We see it down the corridors of time, but he's writing to Jews. So he puts a lot more in it uh, than what we see here. And... We get, I mean, he doesn't talk about Jesus entering the house, which is indicative of him entering your house, your heart, and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hid, King James. Listen, has Jesus really entered your heart? He can't be hid if he has. It's impossible to hide him if he's entered your heart. You can't hide Jesus if he's in the house. House means a resident and abode. Now, why does he want to be hid or unawares? It actually means to be ignorant of, too. He just wants people to be ignorant that he's there. Why? Because he's still looking for rest. He's still looking to get the boys away. Matthew tells us the boys are with him. And here, as we read this, you don't even know that the disciples are with him, but they are. They followed him everywhere. That's the way. That's the way. Uh, pupils and learners and disciples did in that day they followed their rabbi everywhere he went they would always be with him now i'm sure not to the bathroom so you can rest on that assured but listen to me it's just normal that if he was there they were following him and so since the spirit of god is still in the world and the restrainer has not been taken out yet we should be following the spirit of god if we're the disciples of god we should be following the teacher he left behind to guide and lead us. So here they are. And, you know, again, like I said, it, Matthew makes it more clear that way. You can read that later. I'll just kind of touch on it, though, to let you know that there's a couple things going on. And there's two different audiences, one Jew, one Gentile. Matthew would see uh, some different things. But he didn't want them to know. He's trying to get some rest. Now he's God, right? So he knows what's going to happen. But he's still using this to get further and further away from the big crowds that are trying to take him and make him king. Those finding fault want to kill him. Others that see what he's doing and he's feeding them, they want to make him king because they want to enjoy the prosperity. They don't necessarily want somebody to be their authority. So there's like three different crowds there because some want to surrender. You be my king. You be my God. You be my authority. Others just want food. Let's make him king. And then some want to kill him. They're finding fault. Which are you? 
So anyway, he's trying to get the boys away, get them rest still. So they go further and further away from Israel, which we see leads them to show that when when his own doesn't receive him, he goes to the Gentiles, which is to the whole world, to whomsoever. But he could not be hid. Listen, if Christ is in your heart and you can hide it, you're quenching, grieving or insulting the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. If you can hide it, you're quenching, grieving, or insulting. And in 751 of Acts, the indictment by Stephen, the first martyr of the church, against the religious culture following was they were resisting. Just like our fathers. See, we're, if, we're, if we're not allowing God to use our life for His glory, then we're still resisting or playing church or culturanity, and we're doing just like our earthly fathers did. That's what He said to them. All your fathers did this. And He had just gave them an entire dissertation of the entire nation of Israel. And if you stay a natural heart, that's what happens, is you will resist. You will quench and grieve and insult the Holy Spirit. And God can't do His work through you or in you. And then the question becomes, are you even saved? Because it's not just that you say you know God. It's does God know you? That's a relationship. That's a true marriage. That's a true life that's marked by Christ. You cannot hide it. Twenty-five. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. Now again, Matthew says she came and worshipped. This word here, fell at his feet, is not proskuneo. It does mean to prostrate oneself before him. But Matthew says, actually, proskuneo, that she came and bowed down and worshipped him. So somebody's been talking. Somebody's been sharing the gospel. Somebody's been telling her. She's close enough to Israel to know that Jesus is the Messiah. And she has faith enough to come. And she's concerned about her children. Which is a sidebar. Are we concerned about our children? Are we concerned enough to come to Jesus and get right with God and cry out to Him and be persistent in prayer and not stop praying until He says He's going to take care of them? Because that's what this lady did, and she was a Gentile. She wasn't even a Jew. We should be praying for our children. But her daughter has a demon. She came and fell at His feet. The woman was a Greek, Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth. And she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. See the persistence in prayer? You got some issues in your life. The devil is ruling your life. The devil is, oh, this is demon in the King James, or excuse me, the new King James. It's actually devil in the King James. It's actually devil. It means a demonic being. She kept requesting, entreating, praying is what the word means. She's asking 
Jesus the Christ to cast the devil out of her daughter. Now, why would she be persistent in that if she didn't think he had the power to do it? Now, let's look at it in the diminutive. Listen, look at it in the other direction. Why do we not pray? Is it because we don't believe God has the power to do it? Listen, she's persistent in prayer because she knows that God will do it in His time, in His way, for His glory. And if you know that God wants to do it, is going to do it, and can do it, and you trust Him for the power to do it, you'll keep praying for it. You don't give up. You're persistent for your children. You're persistent for your problems. You're persistent about your sin. You're persistent about a desire to see souls saved. No matter what else is going on, no matter how much you fail, how much you stumble, what the people around you are doing, no matter whether COVID is there to interrupt and scare you, no matter whether the paycheck's there, you continue to do the last commandment that God gave us, which is to go and make disciples. And the only way we could ever do that is first if we become a disciple and we allow the Spirit to teach us and the Spirit to send us and the Spirit to strengthen us so that we can go and know who we're supposed to be telling about Jesus. But make no mistake, there was a persistence in prayer. And I believe that's because she heard, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, and she knew and she cared about her child. Have you guys seen this stuff out here today? We don't even care about our children. That was one of the big things. Listen to me. This is amazing stuff. Listen, you got to get this. That was the big thing about chapter 16 of 1 Kings. The last verses there, this one guy rebuilds the city of Jericho knowing there was a curse attached to it. And he built the city at the death of his secondborn, and he hung the gates at the death of his firstborn. He didn't care about his kids. They were Baal worshipers because of King Ahab and Jezebel from this Phoenician area. And now Jesus comes. His own are trying to kill him, and he goes to a Phoenician lady who's supposed to be a Baal worshiper, and she has faith to beg him. And she's persistent. Do you understand what's going on? It's the verse of 1, 11, and 12 coming alive. And that's why I couldn't, I don't even know why I couldn't get it out of my book, but maybe you needed to go there and see it with your own eye portals. And so God allowed me not to remember it for that one time because I quote it constantly. Listen, this is serious stuff going on. That it's so upside downward when we take the Word of God and we follow man's rules instead of the Spirit of God, that that's what they had done. They flipped it upside downward. And when, his, when He comes, the Messiah comes, they don't accept Him, but He goes to some Baal worshipers and they have faith in Him. And that's why it's so important for you and I to understand what we're called to do. We look out there and go, that's crazy. They're, they're rioting in the street. Those are the people that need Jesus. And I'm not talking about going to the street with them, but don't stop trying to reach out to people because you're afraid of Black Lives Matters or you're afraid of COVID or you're afraid of the government. Now, I know it's crazy out there because they're putting police in jail and turning the criminals loose. I know it's crazy out there because they're taking people who protected their home and going in with a search warrant and taking their guns from them. But do you understand that's a little microcosm of what's getting ready to happen to the whole planet? Getting ready to happen to the whole nation? 
If we don't stand up and speak up and shout about it, they're going to do that to everybody. They're going to take everybody's guns. They're going to dominate us and control us. That's exactly what communism and Marxism... Oh, let's go a little bit further. The devil... Because everybody keeps talking about communism and socialism and Marxism. It's the devil. Who are you going to follow? The Spirit of God or the devil? Who do you want to be a part of? Which house are you? That's what we need to understand. If we're of God's house, they can't touch us. Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. But if we continue playing games and we're part of this world's house... And we think we're religious and we're following rules as opposed to the Holy Spirit. The work of God remains to be finished. The question is, will we surrender and allow it to be finished? So here she comes in, this woman who's supposed to be a pagan and she has more faith in God and knows she needs help because her daughter has got a demon now notice we're not told anything that her daughter is doing we just know daughters and I know it's called an unclean spirit but then it's called a devil she's persistent in prayer that would be my first thing to tell you whatever you're doing people don't be persistent in watching reruns don't be persistent in entertainment don't be persistent be persistent in prayer that's a dependency upon God because He's where our help comes from. That's the only place we can get help. That's the only place we can understand the Scriptures is in the Spirit of God teaching us the Word of God. If you let man teach you the Word of God, you know what's going to happen? Now, you're listening right now and it wakes you up. But if you just let me teach you the Word of God, you know what you'll become? An echo of what somebody else said. But God wants you to hear His voice and then go out in a personal love relationship and be a voice for Him to others of what He's teaching you. He doesn't want you to be an echo. He doesn't want you to just to echo what you heard or read. He wants you to have a personal relationship, which if He's in the house, cannot be hidden. It's like a fire that has to get out. It has to be released. You have to gush out if you're full of God. She's, she's begging for her children. And that's really where the church is losing it. Next generation. We're not concerned about the next generation. We're only concerned about self. We're only concerned about what we're doing right now. This moment. How is it working for me? That's how the whole nation has been sold down this, this stream. Is, there, is they're not worried about the next generation. They're not worried about the pattern they're leaving behind. They're not worried about anything except the moment. That's all flesh. That's all flesh. When we're given a commandment to go, then we begin to plan and say, okay, prepare me. What do I take? Nothing. Don't take a purse. Don't take anything with you. Just trust God. Wherever you're at, you're there already. Just tell people. Well, they don't want to hear about it. Have you asked God to prepare your heart? I bet they need it more than you even understand. They're lost. They're pretending. They're dead. They're dying. They're scared more about COVID and about these things going on than you are. And they just need some hope. 
They need somebody to say, Lord, teach me how to share the gospel with other people. Help me to open my mouth at the gate where judgment is being made. But Jesus said, look at this, what Jesus said. He said, sure, I'll heal. I want to heal everybody. You need to be healed because I love everybody. And love is love and love is love. And you can just love. Just love. He didn't say nothing like that. He actually said to her, look at this. Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Kind, loving Jesus just called her a dog. I'm serious. He did. Little puppy. Get you a new puppy. Take care of it. Listen to me. It's serious stuff. Matthew says, I didn't, it came for the, the nation of Israel first. First. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. The first is the nation of Israel. The last is the church, the bride of Christ. Calls her a little dog, and she's still persistent. See, she understands that in the culture that, that, that the Jews treated everybody else like they were dogs, and they called them dogs. It just meant they were a Gentile. They weren't of the Jewish nation. Doesn't make it right. I'm just telling you what the context is. He uses the context, and you know what? She didn't go, huh, call me a dog. I'm out of here. Think about that, because if you don't get what you want when you go to church, you go to another. If you don't get what you want when you go to get it, then you go somewhere else. And you are appalled, and you have pride, and you're like, I don't care, I'm gone. No matter what, listen to me. Jesus called her a dog. And the gospel truth and the healing power and everything, he called, what? Look, look what he said. Let the children be filled, Israel be filled First, it is not good to take the children's bread. Isn't it bread that we need? Jesus is the bread of life. It's not good to take anything from Jesus until the nation of Israel is filled first. You know what that word filled is? I love this. When he fed the 5,000, remember they were filled? And they took up 12 baskets. It was the word gluttoned. That's what that word is right there. Until Israel is completely taken care of, I can't give nothing to the Gentiles. No bread. It's pretty amazing stuff. So Jesus did everything he could for the nation of Israel. And when they rejected him, what does he do? He gives it to whoever will believe in his name. Whoever will trust in his name. In fact, remember Peter, or excuse me, remember uh, Paul and Silas, and they're, they're trying to go, and this was Paul's practice. Everywhere he went, he would always go to the Jew first. He would always go to a synagogue first. And they always rejected it. Look, let's look at it. Let's look at it. It's Acts 13. Always to the Jew first. There's actually modern day preachers that will try this first. They'll go try to witness to a Jew when they go to a city first. What did I say, Acts 13? Let's see, we already did 10 in the house. 1346. It's actually today's reading schedule if you're on the reading schedule. Unless you're in from Illinois, you're an hour faster. 
slower than what it is, leap year. Sorry, guys, didn't mean to bring that in. Look at this. It's, um, oh, it's Paul and Barnabas. I thought it was Silas. It's uh, uh, 1346. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold, because the righteous is bold as a lion, and said, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken. That's the bread of life. To you first, but since you reject, since you resist, since you won't hear it and judge, you've made a decision yourself unworthy of everlasting life. Behold, we turn to the Gentiles. That's when it happens. It's because it's always supposed to be to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. The bread goes. That's what Jesus is talking about here. They're filled. He's filled up with it. They won't. Re they keep resisting. They won't accept it. But notice that they are the ones that made the decision. Anybody that's going to go to hell is a decision that they've made on their own. God did not cast anybody into hell. Don't believe any teaching that tells you that. God is going to be a just judge on the throne and let you have the way of your heart. If you go to hell, it'll be because you judged yourself. You rejected it and you judged yourself unworthy of everlasting life. That's exactly the scripture you need to see. How do you judge yourself? Do you want to, to say, okay, Lord, I'm a dog. That is my heart. I do have all of these characteristics, and I believe in the blood of Jesus, and you can give me a new heart and a new life and a new home. You can privilege me, and you can give me power and strength and might to go. I don't have to keep living like this dog. I can be persistent in prayer and be changed for your glory. Listen, this is powerful stuff. we got to get this. i got to get this. I don't know about you. This is for me. It's personal. So he calls her a dog. And she gets mad and leaves. No. She answered him. Verse 28, Mark 7. She spoke with him. She's having a conversation with him. She's reasoning with him. She's persistent with him. In prayer, yes, Lord. You know that it, you know that in Matthew she calls him son of David. See, that means she knows some stuff. Son of David is a messianic term. She knows and believes. She's got faith. Somebody's been witnessing to this lady, and she heard he was in the house, and she's like, "I ain't going nowhere till you heal my daughter." Wouldn't it be nice if we had some persistence like that? Instead of just going, ah, I'm done. I'm done with you. You're going to live like that? I'm done with you. You're going to act like that? I'm done with you. Really? That's the Spirit of God? I'm done. She's reasoning. She says, yes, Lord, kurios. That means supreme in authority. Yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. This lady has been trained somehow. She's heard somehow that the children of Israel are first. She understands it. She's accepting her position. See, there's people out there right now in the church that hate Israel. And they're being taught to hate Israel. And anybody that hates Israel is not a friend of God. They're the, they're the firstborn. That's God's firstborn child is Israel. His firstborn nation. 
I wish I had the reference. It's back in Exodus. Like, uh, it's there. It's in there somewhere. You ever get that from somebody? I'm sorry. You can go look it up. I hate to be like that. I just don't know where it's at exactly right now. But I do know it's true. And Jesus is his firstborn son. They're a chosen people. And we need to be careful in how we treat them. Because God is going to bring Israel into salvation also. Right now we just have what's called Messianic Jews. That's Jews who wake up and they hear and they learn. And they believe in Jesus as the Messiah. Where am I at? I get lost. There's so much here that's, that's just amazing. So she doesn't give up. She accepts her place as a dog, and she understands that the Israel is the children, and they're first, but I just want some crumbs. See, crumbs are enough. Crumbs are enough. The 12 fragments left over when he fed the 5,000 are enough for us because it's everything we need for life and godliness. Is that what those 12 baskets represent? The Gentile leftover for the Gentiles? See, because he was feeding, listen to me, he was feeding all Jews then. Next chapter, chapter 8, Mark tells us he feeds 4,000. Guess what? They're all Gentiles. The next chapter, he's still in the Gentile region and he feeds 4,000 to them. And they take up like seven baskets of leftovers. There's enough. You can't come to God and go, wow, he's tapped out. No more power, no more strength. No more. He's tapped out. There's always enough. God, is, God wants you to be persistent. He wants you to come. He's not tired of hearing you. He wants you to be dependent on He's a good father who's always waiting to listen, always there patient, always ready to give what's good, not what's bad, always ready to bless and take care of and love you and train you in the way you're supposed to go. He's preparing a house for you for eternity, and he wants you to know how to live in it and understand it. And glow and go and grow. So she accepts who she is and just asks for crumbs. You ever think about that? You ever just want to admit that that's your heart? See, if you don't admit that that's your heart that he gave the list of and that you play religion and that you're pretending, you can't even get the crumbs. But then the beauty is the crumbs are enough. And he's going to give you exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever hope for or ask. So you're not just going to get crumbs in God's house. But you have to be willing to accept the crumbs. You have to be willing to be faithful with the little things. You have to be willing to be the guy that cleans the toilets if you want the whole loaf of bread. If you want to go and grow and be able to go, you have to be willing to do the small stuff and start low. It's not, it's not a mistake that our world wants to be the CEO straight out of college. Because the world's underneath the sway of the wicked one. The world's being run by the Baals. The world's being run by a, a system that's trying to kill us. So they do everything backward from us. My Bible study leader, Mike Abney, who went to be with the Lord uh, last year, he used to say, you have the world in this hand and you have God in this hand. They're diametrically opposed. They're not opposite. Listen, don't ever think that there's an opposite of God. There's not an opposite of the Holy Spirit. There's not an opposite of Jesus. There's not an opposite of the Father. There's not an opposite of God. There's none other like Him. 
Now, he's pure and holy. You can be unclean and defiled. You can be the devil, but the devil's not the opposite of God. The devil is just evil. Dirty, nasty, and mean. And trying to deceive you. He's a destroyer. But notice what 28, the persistence. Notice what happens because of her persistence. Notice what happens because she accepts her place. Notice what happens when she agrees with the Lord. Notice, what, he, what does he say in 29? Then he said to her, for this saying, go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. Just because he agreed, she agreed with the Lord. Because see, that's what we got to do. Isn't that confessing? The word confessing means to agree. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you agree that it's sin, if you agree that his word is true, he'll take care of you. Are you listening to me, what I'm saying to you? But as long as we continue in our pride, in our hearts, with our plans, resisting, and we don't agree with God that, that He is right and we are wrong, that we need a Savior, that He is the one who can do it, as long as we continue to disagree and resist and reject and quench and grieve and insult God by saying no, that's what the fool has always done. He said no to God. She agrees. She says, yes, Lord. She doesn't say no, Lord. Remember? Because if I go back to that text with Cornelius and, and, and Peter on the roof, he says, no, Lord. Remember, but that's what God was doing in his heart, teaching him that the Gentiles, that he could go to the Gentiles, Cornelius. I mean, I, I wonder if he even thought of this when he was over in Phoenicia and, and he cast this demon out of the daughter. I wonder if he thought of that. Well, wait a minute. We went with Jesus to a Gentile area. Remember, he's on the roof, and, and, and these messengers come, and they're knocking on the door, and he's hungry, and this big sheet comes down, and all these animals in it. You remember this? And Peter, who was the head apostle, said, No, Lord, this lady is a Gentile. And she said, Yes, Lord, I agree. Do you? When you're on your way, and you're going to do it. And I don't even care if it's not evil. Listen to me really carefully because we're obeying the Spirit of God. We're obeying the voice of God. You could be on your way to get a gallon of milk and God say, don't go get the milk. And you say, no, Lord. And you go get the milk. Do you understand that that's sin and disobedience? If he didn't say, I mean, we have to, if God says, don't go get the milk, you say, yes, Lord, and you turn around. Why? Because something else is amiss. He knows the whole spiritual realm, but he also just knows your heart, and he wants you to be willing to obey. Because if you're not willing to obey, you're still resisting. And it's not just you, it's me, and it's, and it's the church. It's who we are in the flesh. If we're not listening to the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding and directing and obeying the Word of God, then we're resisting the work of God. And me probably chiefly. Because, see, I've been trained in a system that I call culturanity, and I've been trained by it. 
And then I try to pastor by it instead of pastoring by the Spirit of God. So I can be chief in it. But when we agree, when we say, yes, Lord, that's where we need to be. The demon was gone out of your daughter. Listen, he didn't have to go there. He didn't have to lay his hands on her. He has power to speak. He has authority to speak. He spoke and created the heavens and the earth. He is all-powerful, all-knowing. He's everywhere. He doesn't need to do the things that you and I need to do. I'll, I get a phone call and somebody's being disobedient at home and I got to get up and get in my truck and drive all the way home to deal with the issue. Well, now we got FaceTime. But anyway, I got to do, I used to have to do that. Analogy used to work. It don't work anymore. But sometimes you have to still drive home. But listen to me, God doesn't have to do that. God just said, go your way. She's taken care of. Isn't that amazing? I'm blown away by it. See, because in the next text, they're going to come to him thinking they know exactly how God works, and they're going to ask him to do something. He's going to do it totally differently. Because you can't put God in a box. You can't contain him. You can't even build a house for him. You can't even build a temple for him. He doesn't dwell in houses. You can't put God in a box. He's the becoming one, the great I am. Whenever you think you've went too far, he becomes what you need to bring you back. You can't even escape him. Where would you go to escape his spirit? He's everywhere you go. There you are. And you can't escape yourself either. So you might as well reason with him and say, yes, Lord. Yes, that's me. Yes, I did that. Yes, forgive me. Yes, there's the power in the blood. And quit believing the devil. Because he's a liar. Verse 30. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. Amen. So it was just like she said. And every time you hear God, every time God tells you something, it'll be just like he said. You can't agree with God and then go and do something and think it's going to be different. It's going to be exactly like he said. He already knows. He's already there. He doesn't send you and tell you to go and make disciples and then not have any disciples there to make. See, sometimes I lose heart. I go, where's all the people at that want to serve Jesus? And I can lose heart. But then I remember that God's just dealing with me. He's training me. It doesn't matter. I can preach to myself. It really doesn't matter. Because God's training and teaching and, and changing my heart. And we get our eyes in the wrong place, which is what uh, people who resist the Holy Spirit and reject and insult and grieve the Holy Spirit. That's what they do. They get their eyes on somebody else. And then they begin to blame everybody else for the problem that's going on in society. And then everybody else is, it's age-old sin. Remember in the garden? As soon as God come and said, how did you know you were naked? Did you eat from the tree? No, it's that woman you gave me. It's the devil. 
See, you start blaming. That's why in society, instead of people taking responsibility for their own actions, they're blaming the white race. They're blaming somebody else. It's age-old sin. It's always a work of the devil. When you're blaming somebody else, if you want to take care of it, you have to come back to God. You don't blame somebody else. It's those kids you put in my house. It's that wife that won't listen. No, it's you and your personal love relationship with God. If you get right with God and you endeavor to do what's right with God, then you'll be concerned about them instead of blaming them. You'll begin to be an example for them. So she was persistent in prayer. She agreed with God in prayer. Isn't that what prayer's about? Oh, no, it's not, Greg. It's a, it's, a, it's a credit card, isn't it? You just swipe it, and God gives you what you want. He's a genie in a bottle. You just rub it, and you just say, God, he said, ask what you desire and to be given to you. No, it's when you agree with him, and he changes your desire to be what he was already doing in the first place. That's when he gives it to you, when you agree. He already came to save. He already came to destroy the devil. He already came to cast out demons. He came to heal. He came to, to heal the blind and the deaf and the lame. And sin, oh, those are all ramifications of sin. So he's, of course, going to agree. When you agree with him, he's going to answer your prayer perfectly. Line your heart up with God and quit trying to get God to line up with your desires. He's never going to be like that. Remember that? Let's go back to it. He's never going to be a heart that has evil thoughts and adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. He's never going to be like that. He's always going to be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what he wants to give to us. When we will die to self and say yes to his ways, and we will say, yes, Lord, you're the supreme in authority, and I'm a little dog. It's not, a, it's not, it's not a, a, an insult. It's knowing who you are. I agree, Lord, that was wrong. Then he sets you free. The devil goes out. Isn't that interesting? The daughter's lying on the bed. Does that give you the picture of rest? She's resting. She's at home at rest. She must have been fighting pretty hard with mom for mom to be so persistent. Verse 31. Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of Decapolis. Decapolis means ten, ten cities, to the Sea of Galilee. So he's headed back to the Sea of Galilee where he gets in the boat, you know what I mean? But first he's got to go, he's going to this Gentile region called Decapolis. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears and spat and touched his tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephata, that is, be opened. What? Now, Matthew tells you this. Matthew, this is the only, he's the only evangelist. Mark is the only evangelist who tells you this specific case of what happened. Now, I believe that this is the first case that happened. And then what Matthew says happened. 
Then they brought all the people to him because they seen this. And word went out that Jesus was in the house. So what happens? Look at this. They brought to him one who was deaf. This is important. Listen to me. Because if you take the spiritual analogy and you're not hearing the word of God, you're deaf. And you can't have faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you're deaf. You go to church, but you're deaf. You're not hearing anything spiritual because you're spiritually dead and deaf. You need a healing. You need Jesus to touch you. This word for deaf means deaf and dumb. Because typically, when you're deaf, you're deaf and dumb. In other words, when you're deaf, you can't speak at all. So if you're deaf and you haven't heard the Word of God, you can't go with the Word of God. If you don't have, listen, let me break that down a little bit better. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, you won't go and tell other people what you've been hearing because you're deaf and you can't speak about it because you're dumb. Now that's not an insult. It's just the fact that you have to surrender and you have to be persistent in prayer and you have to be hearing so that faith will come and then your faith will send you to go in the power of God and speak the truth. That was, that was pretty deep. So it wasn't for me. Listen. This guy's only got an impediment. Interesting, huh? Because typically, if you're deaf, you're dumb. He's only got an impediment. He's just having a hard time talking. In fact, it says when he's healed that the string was loose in the King James. There's a string holding his tongue. What's the string holding your tongue? What's the string that needs to be cut? Is it mommy's aprons? Is it daddy's aprons? You're still living in the world? Have you really been betrothed to Christ? What's the string So notice what they begged him in verse 32. They begged him to put his hand on him. Isn't that real interesting? Because think about this for a minute. They must have heard the testimony that he's touching people, putting their hands on them, and they're being healed. Because he didn't even touch the Phoenician lady's daughter. He just spoke the word. So somehow they've heard that there's power in his hands to heal. And now they're saying, do it the way you did it with them other guys. But it's personal. Listen. Listen. He doesn't, you can't tell God how to heal your daughter. You can't tell God how to touch your son. You can't tell God how to touch the neighborhood. You just have to pray that God would touch them, that God would speak to them, that God would heal them, that God would bring salvation. But they come and they try to put him in a box. And they're even begging him. It means, it means to beseech him is what it is in the King James. It means to invoke and invite and to pray again. Notice it all begins with prayer. They say, just touch him. What does Jesus do? Purposely, what does he do? He takes him away from the multitude. He leads him away from everybody else. That's why it is when I tell you guys, if you see me talking to somebody that you know that doesn't know Jesus and I'm personally talking to them, don't walk up and interrupt. It's a moment in eternity. Don't come up and say something crazy about something else when this person is going to be embarrassed and now not even receive the gospel because they're not in private. That's why it's good to meet with people one-on-one, -on -one, but also in crowds. This is what we give permission right now in a church equipping or a Bible study for everybody to speak together like this. 
But there's times when you speak to people in private. And Jesus is speaking in private. Are you getting alone with Jesus? He wants to take you away from the multitude. See, because here's what he is again. The multitude, you know what they're doing? They're all following culturanity. In the multitude, you can't hear the Spirit of God because the religion is already set up. That's not what we do at our church. That's not what my pastor says. That's not what the commentary said. Listen, church is already set up in culturanity. What is the Spirit of God saying? You have to get alone with God, spend time with God, pray with God, be persistent with God, allow Him to do, take the sword of the Spirit or the scalpel of the great physician and cut away at you and hear his voice and be bold enough to get up and talk about it with other people be bold enough to go out and share it be bold enough to obey it and build that relationship and not just follow what other people are doing so he takes him aside see that He takes him aside from the multitude and he put his fingers in his ears and touched his tongue. He spat and touched his tongue. Why is that? Because God gets to do whatever he wants to do. But listen to this. Listen. If you're deaf, you can't hear me saying listen. But if I touch your ears now, you know that I'm touching you. You can feel that. And so now you've got something to deal with. So he touches him in his ears. He's communicating with him. And then he spits and touches his tongue. He's telling him, I'm going to take care of this. Maybe he's using sign language. I don't know. But see how it's personal? See how he touched him right where he knew the problem was? You think, see, again, he's the becoming one. When you've got a, you got a sin in your life, you've got a problem in your life, you've got something you're persistent in prayer about, you've got a daughter that won't behave, and you've been persistent just like this Phoenician woman was, then God knows how to deal with that. But you have to check with God. You have to come with God. You have to let God deal with it His way, not your way. You can't say, well, just lay your hands on them. Really? The Bible actually says don't lay hands on people too quick. Got to be careful. It's God's way. It's God's timing. What's your calling? Pray. Invite. Allow. Make the road clear. As a John the Baptist, you make straight the way of the Lord. You do everything to prepare it, but the work has to be done by the Holy Spirit. But if you're resisting the Holy Spirit, if you're grieving the Holy Spirit, if you're quenching the Holy Spirit, if you're not being led by the Holy Spirit, then how do you know what to do to make room for the Holy Spirit? So he does it his way in his time, and he touches him. And then looking up to heaven, notice that? Same thing he did with the little boy's lunchbox. With the five loaves and the fish, what did he do first? He looked up to heaven because he wants them to know where the strength comes from. You, you listen, you want, you want to know where it comes from? Your help comes from the Lord, the maker of the heaven and the earth. You have to look up. That's prayer. You have to always be looking to God, to the throne room. That's where Christ is seated, seated right now. Four words all at once. I tried to get them out. Oh, I get excited. He looked up. That's our example. And then he sighed. See that sighed? A lot of great stuff written about that. I think they write books about his sigh, his sigh. Now listen, that word sigh can do, listen, it's really simple. 
I just sighed. It means a murmur. It could be a groan. It could show grief. I mean, you could sit around and speculate all day long. It could be Christ seeing the ramifications of sin on the earth and it hurting him so much that he can't just deal with it all at once. But listen to this, what it means. It means to pray inaudibly. Isn't that what he did when he blessed the bread? It means to pray inaudibly. That means, in other words, praying, and they didn't know what he said. So you look up, and then you pray. People don't have to know what you're praying. Remember when Nehemiah was going back to to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem? He told nobody the plans that God had put in his heart. It was just him and his God that stood alone there. And the wall was rebuilt in record time. There's a pastor that tells this. um, I remember this from 20-some years ago when I was a baby Christian. Still I'm a baby, but I mean when I was first born again, and he says that when they were growing up in their family, that they took turns praying, and everybody had to pray at the table when they were eating. And he said one night, it was his brother's turn to pray, and his brother prayed, and mom said, I didn't hear what you said. He said, I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> he prayed inaudibly. <laughs> he was, <laughs> don't do that, kids. I'm just, <laughs> it was just reminds me of that. When somebody prays inaudibly, see, unless you know what they say, you can't say amen. That's the whole point of the mom saying, what did you say? But it, it's a funny joke that he told. And, and so you want people to know what you pray. And it, it goes back to a whole teaching on speaking in tongues. If you pray in tongues and I don't know how to say amen, I don't know what you said. But if you pray out loud audibly, I know, but that wasn't for them to hear. It was for him and the Father. He was praying for God to heal him, I believe. And at the same time, he might be exasperated with the plight of sin on the planet when all we have to do is surrender and quit resisting the Holy Spirit. And he said to him, then he spoke. Remember, he spoke. He told the woman, go, your daughter is, the devil has left her. Now he speaks again. And that's the voice we want to hear. He says, Epaphatha, be opened. What happened? Immediately, there's our word. It's a quick moving. His ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was loosed, and he spoke plainly. Listen to me. That's how we're supposed to go to other people and make disciples. But we can't remain deaf and have a problem with our tongue, an impediment. We have to allow God to touch us His way. Everybody's got their burning bush moment. Everybody's got the way that God is training you. You're different. He's not going to use you the way that He uses me. He's not going to train you the way He trains me. But it's a self-same spirit with different gifting, different ways. He's dealing with you as you say, yes, that's me, Lord. I confess. I agree. Now what? What's my gifts? What's my talents? What's my abilities? Where do I need to go? Who do I need to speak to? It's a personal love relationship between you and Him. As He trains you. As He loves you as only a husband can. Remember? Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water through the word that he might present her to himself a spotless and clean bride without uh, spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That's what he's doing with you and me. We're the bride. He's the husbandman. 
and he puts his hands on us, he touches us, he is actually opening our ears so we can hear and have more faith, and he's sending us to go and speak, and he removes the string that the world has got us tied up like little puppets in culturanity and all these things. He removes that so that we can go out and speak and be a voice and not an echo. But that comes out of a personal relationship, not out of reading books or out of listening to what the church is indoctrinating you to do. Because they make up rules. They make up things that make the word of God to no avail. You can almost kiss the gates of heaven, but you never get in if you listen to man. You have to listen to the voice of God. So immediately he was healed of his impediment and his tongue was loose and he spoke plainly. Then he commanded them that they should tell no one. But the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. Now, see, that's where I think that they brought everybody. Matthew says they brought all kinds of people. Because the more widely they proclaimed it. Think about this great miracle that's being done. A deaf man can hear. A a guy that couldn't speak can now speak. Isn't that what, uh, remember when John the Baptist was in jail? And he's like beginning to doubt. It's Isaiah, I think, 35. He says, Sent a couple witness, a couple of his guys and said, Go, are you really him? How come I'm still in jail then? So you think that suffering is going to be removed because you know Christ or because Christ is here or because he's given you salvation? John thought, man, why am I in jail? Why is he allowing Herod to do this if he's really the Messiah? And he said, go and tell him. Isaiah, here it is, Isaiah 35, 5. The eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, the lame shall leap like a deer, the tongue of the dumb sing, for waters shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Talking about the Spirit of God being poured out, reminding them of water coming from a rock, and they're set free. Listen, we have to understand that the Spirit of God is here And that you have to have a relationship with God through the Spirit of God because of the Word of God and the blood of God who's delivering us back to the Father God. It's a new house. And if Jesus is in the house, you can't hide it. And now this is not reverse psychology. Before you think that, it's not reverse psychology. That's some government stuff. I mean, excuse me, I'm sorry. That's some worldly stuff, devil, demonic stuff. It's not reverse psychology. He literally was trying to be at rest and in a deserted place and not have to do all the work so that because ministry will wear you out. He was literally trying to get away and he didn't want all this commotion to go on. Why? Because there was people trying to make him king and others trying to kill him. And he was trying to find some rest for his disciples. So he said, don't tell nobody because he knew what would happen. If you tell somebody, they're all going to come. Seriously. If people see a life that has its ears open and its mouth open and they're changed by God because they're living for God, everybody will want some of that because people are enslaved and in bondage to the devil and they know it and they're looking for hope. So he says, don't tell nobody. He knew they were going to go tell people. 
but he still was trying to get his disciples some rest. And they were astonished beyond measure. Couldn't measure it. Of course, they knew this guy. He can't talk. He can't hear. The more widely, they, or excuse me, and they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. The word well means to do them good, honestly, beautifully, valuably, virtuous in appearance. Listen to me. God is doing all things well. Remember when he made his creation, he says it's good. Does all things well. Salvation is good if we receive it, but if we're being lied to and we're not receiving true salvation that delivers us into a new house, into the Father's house, into a personal love relationship, and the Spirit comes in and seals us until the day of redemption. The Spirit begins to, to be the voice of God in the Word of God to wash us and cleanse us so that we will go and tell others. Who are you telling? Do you have any plans to tell anybody? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that salvation has come to the Gentiles. Just as you said it would. Thank you that down the corridor of time, somebody was faithful to go and make disciples. Somebody allowed you to touch their ears and their mouth. And they heard and faith came. And they spoke. And others were saved. And it was handed down properly by your spirit till it reaches me. And now, Lord, we ask that we would be strengthened with power to go and be bold as lions. And share the truth because we know that it's your word. It's your son, Jesus. It's his blood that sets us free from the lies of the devil. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you would say to the church. And then give us strength and power and courage to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I